Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out Swiss and European fintech scene, aiming to inspire entrepreneurs to launch their new ventures and connect them with incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. There are many potential entrepreneurs that are thinking about launching their new ventures, but many don't know where to start. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate Fintech ecosystem so you can get started more easily. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we are talking to Marvan from Meridian Ventures and we are in London uh, to find out more about how Business Angel Syndicate works. Hi, Rudy. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. So can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Of course, we've met at INSEAD. We are classmates uh, from MBA program 2006. So can you tell us a bit about yourself? How did you get to invest in startups and uh, why do you do it? I started investing in startups about four years ago as an independent angel. And uh, then I met like-minded people who wanted to invest in startups as well. And we started joining forces. And at one point, we decided to start up Veridium Ventures and expand it as a syndicate to additional members. Okay, so can you describe what does Veridium do and what does it mean, Business Angel Syndicate? Veridium Ventures is a syndicate of angel investors. And what that means is it's a group of angel investors who invest together in a particular deal. Usually, a syndicate is led by a couple of lead investors and uh, lead angels. And in our case, the three partners are the lead investors in a particular deal. And then other angels in the syndicate uh, can join us per deal if they like. When did you start with this? And uh, who founded it? I started investing individually about four years ago. And uh, we formed a sort of unofficial syndicate for a couple of years. But then we decided to professionalize it. So in September of 2017, we registered Viridian and we formed the partnership. And in April 2018, we got regulated by the FCA. So how does it work in practice? If you can walk us through an example. So start from sourcing to diligence and then to actually getting a syndicate to invest. Okay. We source our deals very similarly to where other funds source their deals as well. We go to startup events. Uh, there are lots of startup events that generate uh, organized by business schools, by universities. There are lots of incubators. And when we attend these events, we look at the startups that presented and we decide which are the ones that we would like to pursue. And then we contact those startups. And if we feel that it's a, it's a good startup to due diligence, then we start our due diligence process. So what kind of tickets are we talking about here? So in terms of individual investors, in terms of the syndicate, can, can you tell us a bit more uh, about that? Absolutely. So in terms of individual investors, the minimum ticket per investor is £5,000 or euros or dollars, depending on which uh, currency it's denominated in. But I would say more, in most cases, it's pounds. And the reason we kept it low was because we wanted to help a lot of uh, young angel investors to get involved in the ecosystem as well. There is no maximum. So if you, are, you want to invest more in a deal, then we don't restrict you. So what are the ticket sizes that you invest in typically? So our smallest ticket size has been 50,000 and our biggest ticket size so far has been 150,000. But as we add additional investors to our network every month, our ticket sizes are increasing. How many startups have you invested in and how much money have you deployed? So we've invested in nine startups so far and we've deployed around 600,000 pounds. And in terms of a life cycle of a startup, what kind of uh, startups are you looking at to, uh, in terms of investment? Is it pre-seed, seed money, uh, a round, or what is it? So our, our, our sweet spot is uh, pre-seed and seed. 
where we expect from a startup to have at least an MVP, that's a minimum viable product, or to be revenue generating. Okay, and in terms of countries, of course, you're based in the UK, so I assume uh, these are UK-based companies, but do you also look at companies that are based in Switzerland or France or Germany? Yes, we do, actually. So although the bulk of our investments are UK-based companies, we have invested before in a company based in Germany, and actually, right now, we are starting the conversation with another German-based company, which could end up a company that we invest in. For us, the important thing because of the location of our investors is for the companies to qualify for SEIS and EIS. And these are government schemes to help startups raise funding by giving tax breaks to investors. If a company is based outside of the UK but has a presence in the UK, then they could qualify depending on the type of business and what sorts of presence they have. So Whenever we encounter companies that are outside of the UK, we always encourage them to explore that, uh, that space. How about we, we talked a little bit about fintech, right? Yep. Have you invested in a fintech company? And if yes, uh, can you tell us a bit more what kind of company and what did you like about it? Well, yes, we did invest in a fintech company. And it's a company that has created a chatbot to help users save money. And uh, when we invested, they had a a relatively tiny user base, although they had an MVP that proved that it can work. And since then, they've grown really, really quickly. What we liked about it was the founders and the ideas that they had. Uh, We also liked that there was a real need in the market for a product like this. And the fact that they've decided to go down a route of a chatbot that would help people nudge people to towards saving. We talked about the startups in terms of lifecycle, etc. When you look at the proposals, Is there something that you would like to tell to the founders and and the teams that you see quite often and you wish it weren't there? What kind of pitfalls have you encountered in uh, in business cases? So there are are a number of pitfalls. And when we do diligence something uh, or a company, we always look at several aspects of it. So we look at the founding team. uh, We look at their engagement in the business. We look at the business plan. We look at their projections. We look whether the projections make sense. And we look at the valuation, of course, and how much they're raising. I think the biggest pitfall by far is unreasonable valuations. And for us, I always warn the founders that even if you get away with a high valuation that is unreasonable early on, it will come and bite you later on in future fundraisers. So it's very important to get that right. And it's always better to give up a slight, a small percentage in the early stages to ensure the long-term success because look this is a long-term game and with startups you always expect them to exit several years down the line and the expectation is that there are going to be several rounds of funding and it is important to tee up the company for the next funding round as well and not increase the valuation so much that the next funding round may be a flat round or a down round. Right. Uh, So you touched upon valuation. So what is your view on where we are in the cycle? There's some investors who are saying, I don't even want to invest these days because the valuations are too high, things like this. But you also mentioned it's a long-term game. So Mm -hmm. what is your view on that? So on average, I think we are still at the cycle, at the phase in the cycle where there are lots of companies that are investable, but there's a wide range. I see a lot of companies that have unreasonable valuations, but at the same time, I also see a lot of companies with reasonable ones. And uh, we always engage with them if we see that the business plan is uh, a good one. 
and we take them to our next uh, next phase of due diligence. So ultimately, what I would recommend to founders is before you set your valuation, look at companies that are at similar sizes. And it's very tempting for a lot of the companies, especially in the fintechs, to look at the big ones that have already made it to unicorn status and then try to work back to the valuation from that. And that's a very dangerous game because it's very difficult to compare your company now to a company that has already made it and work back from that because they started up in different conditions and the both the economic conditions as well as the market conditions were different. So my recommendation is to try to compare yourself to other companies in, in that are doing the same thing in the same sector right now. Okay, so we talked about the pitfalls. Can you share some success stories from either the syndicate or your personal track record that you're especially proud of? I, I can probably give good examples. One is a company that we invested in through our syndicate, and that's a company that has created a market for, for sellers on social media to be able to sell their product. And we invested in them roughly about two years ago when the valuation has now increased by six times. So I'm very happy with the progress that that company has has made. And uh, the other success story is a personal investment that I made outside of the outside of the syndicate, and it's one of the and one of the fintech companies that have now made it to unicorn status. Well, congratulations! I hope that you plow it in back to the syndicate, of course. Absolutely, that's the plan. <laughs> Obviously, there are lots of platforms for investors to invest in startups. Some range from crowdfunding to syndicates and then to funds etc they have different fee schedules and the models how mm-hmm. how, how do fees work for uh, in your case our fees are basically very simple we charge five percent of all the money that we raise through our syndicate to the startup and our objective from that is basically to cover our costs the fees that we charge to investors are just success fees so we don't charge them any ongoing management fees we only charge them when there's a successful exit. And we've tiered it in a way where our objectives and our incentives are aligned with the investor. And there's one thing that I would like to point out is that the partners at Veridian invest in every deal that we bring to our syndicate, which is very important because it aligns our long-term incentives with their incentives. So if our investors in the syndicate make money, then we make money. If they don't make money, then we don't make money either. But further than that, we also lose our own money. So we talked about the startups and uh, the pitfalls and the success stories and uh, obviously, the, this market or what you do has two sides. So, mm-hmm. uh, so let's talk about the investors as well. Yeah. So, what kind of investors are actually eligible for the syndicate? There are two types of investors who are eligible. There are the high net worth individuals, and the very clear definition by the FCA is those are individuals who earn about more than a hundred thousand pounds per year, or have assets that other than their the house that they live in of more than 250,000 pounds. The other type of investor is the sophisticated investor. So those are investors who have done more than two deals in the past year into illiquid companies. And how does onboarding work? Because we are an FCA regulated entity, we the first step for our onboarding is to give an assessment test to the investor, which is divided into parts in general. One is a means-based test to double check that they are a high net worth individual or a sophisticated investor. And the other part is just test their knowledge of investing in startups. After all, people need to remember that these are illiquid assets, which 
over time will hopefully generate good returns, but it's not easy to dispose of. So understanding that and understanding the risks that come with uh, investing in startups is very important before we onboard an investor for their own good, but also for us, because we want investors who are also aligned with us and with the right risk profile. We talked about fintech angle, etc. But to be fair, obviously, your, uh, your focus is wider than that. So what sort of sectors or industry verticals do you invest in? We are sector agnostic, and we have invested in several sectors. There is a tech element in the companies that we invest in. We like companies where they've developed technology that either changes the sector or that gives them a competitive advantage. And be that in the fintech space or in the travel tech space or in any other space where technology gives an advantage. It could be an IoT company. It could be an AI company. Those are the ones that we like. Really, the last question is, where do interested parties reach you, whether that's investors or the startup? So we've got a website, which is uh, www.veridiumventures.co.uk. We've got contact details in there. If people are interested to learn more about this, then they should reach out to, to us that way. And we are happy to answer any questions that people give us. So thank you very much, Marvan, for talking to me today and, and good luck to Veridium. You're most welcome, Rudy. Thank you very much for having me.